This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za. And uh, you know when we go through to Dr. Peter Hammond on a Friday morning, who's the founder of Frontline Fellowship, the Reformation Society, Africa Christian Action, and the William Carey Bible Institute, we're also going to hear lots of scripture. And that's what we need to base our life and our decision-making on. A very good morning to you, Dr. Hammond. Great having you with us. Thank you so very much, Brad. Well, the scripture says that we need to remember those who are in prison as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Now, I've been a missionary to the persecuted church now, for 38 years mm. and ministered in more than 38 countries uh, during that time. And we started, uh, along with Voice of the Martyrs, Open Doors, and other missions to persecute church, about 30, 30 years ago, we started an initiative called IDOP, International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And around the world, uh, people tend to be observing 11 November as a, a remembrance for those who've died in the wars. Mm. And so what we sought to do is the second Sunday in November to remind people to pray for those who are persecuted for their faith. And the church today worldwide suffers pretty severe persecution. In 67 countries of the world, Hmm. there are severe restrictions and actual persecution of believers. And this affects 400 million Christians. So 400 million Christians in the world today live under some form of severe persecution. And uh, that would uh, go from everywhere from Afghanistan, Red China, North Korea, uh, Saudi Arabia, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, and uh, many of these countries. Uh, So we have a website, www.idop-africa.org, which provides news and articles and resources and PowerPoints and video links to help mobilize friends and family and co-workers and congregation and community to pray in action on behalf of those who persecute for the faith. Mm. Now, it's so important to remember the persecuted, but uh, this year we have got a tremendous amount of great answers to prayer in one of our primary mission fields, mm. and that's Sudan. Now, we know that South Sudan, against all predictions, succeeded in breaking away, seceding, and becoming an independent country in 2011. And uh, that was absolutely extraordinary. But now, in northern Sudan, which is uh, officially Islamic Sudan, there's been some amazing changes. Now, uh, we have been working in the mountains of Sudan for over 26 years. And uh, we have, uh, during that time, been strafed and bombed and rocketed and so on. It's one of the most remote, inaccessible, difficult-to-reach places on the planet. And yet, in the last three and a half years, there's been peace, and there's been phenomenal freedom, and uh, all of this, I must say, uh, has come about because of Donald Trump's foreign policy, Mm. which we found absolutely amazing. We went to Sudan and found uh, that there was a complete ceasefire, and we hadn't read about it in the news, but what happened was uh, that immediately he became president. Donald Mm. Trump, aside from the first thing he did uh, back uh, nearly four years ago, was uh, abolish funding for foreign abortions, that uh, U.S. taxpayers weren't going to fund abortions in Africa, for example, which saved many lives. But he put pressure on Sudan and said, after the deal, uh, if you, uh, you want, uh, I know what you want, you want sanctions lifted, economic sanctions taken off. Well, I'll tell you what I want. I want an end 
to bombing and all offensive actions against the Nuba Mountains of South Kordofan, the Darfur region, and Blue Nile, uh, all areas where our mission has worked. And uh, interestingly enough, they did it. And not only has Sudan observed a ceasefire in the Nuba Mountains for almost four years now, but uh, in addition to that, they arrested their government, uh, the dictatorship of Omar al-Bashir, which had come to power through a coup d'etat mm. back in uh, uh, over 38, 30 years ago, 1989, and uh, they are on trial for their corruption and crimes. There's a transitional government of military and civilian people leading to the first free elections in Sudan. Mm. Uh, in addition to that, they've abolished flogging. They've abolished uh, the apostasy laws under which people were put to death for changing their religion. They've abolished the blasphemy laws under which Christians were executed for saying something that could have been construed as insulting to the national religion. They've uh, initiated freedom of religion. And for the first time ever in Sudan, uh, freedom of the press. And so there's been extraordinary change then. And what that reminds us is that American elections and foreign policy does affect the persecuted church. And I've seen that. Uh, in my years of ministry, uh, tremendous uh, changes that come about because of U.S. foreign policy. One example being that under the uh, Obama uh, White House, uh, the greatest upheaval and chaos caused in the Middle East by their direct policies of funding uh, ISIS. And in fact, uh, when Vice President Biden actually had to admit before a Senate uh, committee that um, Yes, it's true. Uh, the, the U.S. government had started ISIS. Uh, that's the Islamic State or uh, the, the radical group that was going around chopping people's heads off and uh, burning churches down throughout the Middle East. And in fact, their founder was in American custody and was released in the first week of uh, the uh, Obama presidency. And the Obama presidency gave $500 million to ISIS you soon were beheading Christians and murdering people throughout the Middle East. And you think, this is insane. Why would any government do this? Well, it was worse than that. They went out there and they started to bomb and burn and destroy. And uh, the U.S. government initiated wars and chaos, which overthrew stable governments in Libya and Egypt, and then tried to overthrow the government in Syria. And all of the wars there caused during the so-called Arab Spring, which U.S. Secretary of State uh, Hillary Clinton was actually sponsoring, promoting, encouraging, and they were funding. Uh, Ambassador Stevens, who got killed in Benghazi in 2013, actually was the bag man. Before he was the uh, ambassador, he had actually given the first $500 million to start ISIS, this incredibly destructive, radical jihadist group that's caused chaos through the Middle East. And so uh, I've seen firsthand the results of U.S. foreign policy. I mean, just take the fact that in Cape Town we had the Planet Hollywood bombing, which mm. was in retaliation for uh, U.S. government sending in, in the Clinton era, uh, cruise missiles into Khartoum and Sudan. And uh, that was in reaction to bombings of American embassies in Dar es Salaam and Nairobi. And so the spirals went that even in Cape Town, some poor British tourist had his legs blown off in Planet Hollywood at the waterfront, because of a direct result of U.S. foreign policy and the tit-for-tat reaction, counter-reaction, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, Hegelian, dialectic, that happens in politics. And so uh, I must say that as a missionary to persecutors, I'm certainly praying that um, a pro-abortion candidate 
like Biden does not win, and certainly not through deceit. There's no doubt there's been vast amounts of election fraud. Now, we've seen election fraud in Africa for years. Uh, we saw it in Zimbabwe, for example, and uh, how despite people being killed and murdered and maimed uh, during the uh, so-called electioneering in 1979 to 80, leading up to the transition to Mugabe, the British government was obligated to discount those votes in areas where intimidation, in other words, terrorism, took place. Mm. And that would have disqualified Mugabe because you can't win a race while breaking all the rules. Mm. And that's true for politics as well as the Olympics or sports. And if you're shooting the other candidates and blowing up the buses uh, of their supporters and so on, which Mugabe's people were doing, that should disqualify you from the race. Mm. But as, as Zimbabwean observers have said, what Britain did by, by ignoring all the violations and cheating and voter fraud and intimidation, that what they taught Mugabe and people throughout Africa was it doesn't matter how you win. It doesn't matter how many rules you break. It doesn't matter how many people you murder, as long as you get the vote and then we will give you foreign aid and so on. Well, Austria had an election a couple of years ago where mail-in uh, voting was out of, off the charts, massive, colossal, beyond anything that had ever been seen before. And uh, it tipped the scales, and the socialist candidate won. Mm. And the Supreme Court threw the whole election result out and forced Austria to go back to voting where the results were uh, that the socialists lost. And it turned out that the mail-in mail voting was just a cover for fraud. And it's been acknowledged that whenever you have mail-in voting, the uh, opportunity for fraud just exponentially increases. And so it's quite right to point out that in America there has been fraud. People who uh, were born in 1823 have voted. Uh, people who 170-something voted. People 120-something voted. Whole cemeteries have voted. There's been a lot of fraud, there's been a lot of double voting, there's been a lot of ballot stuffing and uh, huge irregularities, including that uh, observers haven't been allowed to observe the counting. And so I think there's a very strong case, and before people jump to conclusions about uh, what the media is saying mm. about uh, what's going on in America today, the fact is, if there's been fraud, and it seems there has been, uh, then it's only right that an election is pointless if an election isn't valid with valid votes from registered voters who are legally uh, permitted to vote, and then you're not allowed to vote more than once, and so on. Yeah. So uh, I think it's interesting what's going on, but I'd plead with listeners to think of the persecuted church who often get it literally in the neck as a direct result of not just the voter fraud, but the policies that emanate from America it's a pity, but unfortunately what happens in America affects all of us and the Persky Church more than any other. So remember the persecuted and visit i.africa.org and see what you can do to mobilize more concern and prayer for Christians who are suffering for their faith. Particularly remember the Christians in Sudan who we can praise God are, by His grace, enjoying greater freedom now than ever before in my lifetime. So God bless and thank you so much for Radio Kate Pulpit. Yeah, great having you with us on this Friday. It's Dr. Peter Hammond. He's the founder of Frontline Fellowship, the Reformation Society, Africa Christian Action, and the William Carey Bible Institute. Stay dry and have a beautiful weekend. Thank you. God bless. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 729 AM. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za.